Last week, our pastoral elder, Jason Harmon, delivered this message that I hope has reverberated in your heart and mind over the last week as you've had time to reflect on it. But Jesus being our perfect priest, and he's so good at alliteration. He's the alliteration pastor. Perfect priest who had a perfect preparation and made a perfect presentation for our sins on the cross. So this idea that Jesus, to just remind you, um, he fulfilled this high standard for a high priest that God set in the Old Testament. And God did not bring the bar down in order to save us. Actually, God came himself and, 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 and met the, his own standard through Christ and lifted that standard high. And so high that no person, not even the priests in the Old Testament, could, could meet it. But Jesus met it for us once for all, according to scriptures. And uh, Jesus made a perfect preparation as our high priest. He, uh, he suffered like we do. He shed his, um, his godhood and came in, in, and uh, dwelled in the, in the body of a man. He was fully God and fully man. And he became a, a servant of God who shed his, his uh, royal privilege. He emptied himself, it says in Philippians. He made himself nothing, it says in the words of Philippians, taking on the very nature of a servant, being found in human likeness. And he humbled himself to death, even death on a cross. The most uh, dishonorable way to be put to death at that time. It, said, it was said that cursed is anyone who's hung on a cross. That's what, that's what people said in, in popular culture back then. So it might be like us saying, you know, I don't know what the equivalent would be. We're, we're a little more of a friendly society than they had back then. Well, we're not really, but it's underground, right? We all need Jesus, but uh, a different time. So people would say this phrase, the curse of everyone who's, who hangs on a cross. Jesus, who did not know sin, became a curse for us. He took off his heavenly robes. He shed his, his privilege as God and made a perfect preparation for our sins. And just like the high priest once a year would take off his, his robes and just go, in, go into the Holy of Holies with a very simple linen garment and make atonement for his people, so Christ shed everything. And then uh, he, he made a perfect presentation, finally. This is what J- Jason taught us last week. That the sacrifice of Christ was enough. No more sacrifices for sins are needed. Jesus, perfect Son of God, God in the flesh, died on the cross, and it was enough to cover our sins, and not only our sins, but the sins of the world, of anyone who looks to Jesus. And we know it was a perfect presentation because after God's purpose in Christ was satisfied in his death and burial for three days, he rose from the dead. And in that way, God was saying, this was enough. This is a sacrifice that is, fills the gap. And anyone that looks to Jesus... And what he's done for us is our perfect priest who made perfect preparation, made a perfect presentation to God for us, is saved. And some of you perhaps were saved last week or two weeks ago when you heard that message and you've been beginning to walk with Jesus the last couple weeks. So today, because I I look up so much to how Jason uses such good alliteration, I want to look at how Jesus created a perfect pattern for us a perfect pattern for how to live our lives in this world. And to, to do this, we're going to look at Deuteronomy 8, which is our reading from this past, I believe it was uh, Thursday or Friday, of Mission 119. A perfect 
pattern for us to follow. So Deuteronomy 8, 1 to 5, if you'll notice the words on the screen, some of these words are highlighted, so just take special note of those words. This will be useful later when we look at another passage of Scripture. Deuteronomy 8, 1 to 5, Be careful to follow every command I am giving you today, so that you may live and increase and, and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. Another word for test could be prove, to prove something about somebody. And as these people were, were tested and proved, God was looking to know what was in their hearts, whether or not they would keep his commands. God humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out, and your feet did not swell during these forty years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. This passage, written by Moses long before Christ came on the scene, is describing the experience of the Israelites as they wandered for 40 years in the wilderness. And it's giving us a, a background as to why they were uh, wandering and why they were suffering. And it says, what? What does it say God was doing in them? Testing, proving, to know what was in their heart. And uh, wh what do you see in this idea, causing you to hunger and feeding you with manna? It's this idea of relying on him. Come to rely on me. And Israel as a nation, they had been enslaved by Egypt for, for 400 years. God finally released them through a great salvation. And, uh, and then they went into their wanderings in the wilderness, the famous 40-year wanderings, because of unbelief. They just did not trust in God. Even though God had shown them his mighty arm and his salvation and releasing him powerfully from the hand of Pharaoh, they did not remember their God and everything from not believing that God would give them the land that he promised, which was the main reason they didn't enter it, uh, that they, they came close and then they sent spies in because they were nervous. They wanted to see what the land looked like. Can God really handle this, they said? Can God really handle this? They sent spies in. They doubted that he could handle it. God took note of that. Everything from a big issue like that to complaining about not having food and then to complaining about the food that they were given. Not unlike us, really, human nature. So for 40 years, God humbled them. And our passage in Deuteronomy today is reminding the people of, why, of the why of why they were wandering. And it was something written by Moses to give to the people right before they entered the promised land after this time was over so that they could remember, hey, remember in your mind, guys, what happened in the desert. That was not a good 40 years. Um, let's trust God going forward. But these people were being disciplined, tested, proven by God, like a parent disciplines their child. And of course, we know discipline is not just punishment. It's guiding, it's directing, it's building up. It's showing them how to do life. And uh, testing that God did is like proving character. The proof's in the pudding. So God's people had wandered due to their unbelief and distrust in God, which has led to a hardness of heart, 
according to Hebrews. This is another passage that we're going to read that explains what was going on in God's people in the desert wilderness. Hebrews 3, 7 to 11, it says this. So as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as they did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested and tried me. Though for 40 years they saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation. I said, their hearts are always going astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared an oath in my anger, they shall not enter my rest. Here we see that this unbelief, this distrust of God, and this inability to see his blessings and receive what he was giving to them and how he was trying to lead them had led to hardness of heart in these people. And we find that unbelief and distrust, the result of that is a hardness of heart. It's a hardness of heart uh, towards God, towards other people. And, you know, when I read a passage like that, I ask myself, how is my heart today? Is my heart hardened towards God and other people? Is there unbelief and distrust in my heart right now that's causing me to harden my heart towards God and other people? Hebrews 3, 7 to 11 has something tucked in it that I did not notice until this morning, and I'd already kind of written the sermon. It says in verse 9 of Hebrews 3, where your ancestors tested and tried me. Our other passage was talking about God testing and trying them to, to prove and see if they followed him. This passage is saying, not only were they failing the test of trusting me and belief and, and, and just not following me in this time, but they, were, they had turned around and they were actually testing and trying God, even though he showed them his power. Unbelief and distrust always seem to lead to a hardness of heart. And that is something that we see over and over and over again. And the question is, how are our hearts today? Are our hearts hard and, and husked over? Um, are we putting God to the test? Are we uh, proving our character and trust of God and how we are responding to the difficulties of life? But Israel kept failing over and over again as they were tested in the wilderness. And for the reason of unbelief and distrust, they had to wander in this desert for 40 years. So onto the scene comes Jesus, years later. And Jesus offers this beautiful pattern of what it looks like for us to trust in, to believe in, and follow God. A lot of people uh, think about Jesus and they say, well, I can't do that because that was Jesus and I'm not God. We have to understand, God emptied himself in Christ. He emptied himself and he made himself limited by time and space like we are. And, he, and Jesus says, he, mysteriously, he only did what he saw the Father doing, meaning he got up, he prayed, he sought the Lord, he tried to discern what God's will was, and he did it perfectly because he was God. But he was a, he was a man, make no mistake about it. And he provides a model for us and a pattern for us of how to walk through life so we don't live with unbelief that leads to hardness of heart like the Israelites in the desert. So here we see Matthew 4, 1 to 12. And I want to lead you through this passage, and I think you're going to see something really interesting. We don't see it uh, as modern people, like, the, like Jewish people would, would understand this, but this passage about Jesus' temptation in the wilderness is meant to exactly replicate 
the passage from Deuteronomy 8. Except for in this passage, Jesus prevails and and proves himself to be the worthy representative of us. So what do we see as similarities in these two passages? Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Anybody? Deuteronomy 8. God's people were led in the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, to be tested and sifted. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, there's another parallel between this, this story and the 40 years of wandering, the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Deuteronomy 8.3, quoting from Deuteronomy to refute the tempter's uh, lies to him. Then the devil took him to the holy city, had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Deuteronomy 6.16. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Deuteronomy 6.13 Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. So I want you to notice with me, the similarities between our Deuteronomy passage and the temptation of Christ in Matthew 4. It's not by accident. Jesus showed himself to be the true Israelite who was tested and proven to be faithful and to trust God fully and who passed the test. This goes back to Jason's sermon last week, the perfect high priest who made a perfect preparation and a perfect presentation. Jesus was proved through this test to be the one who succeeded where Israel failed. And while Israel wandered for 40 years, Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And then he came under those same temptations and he stood on the promises of God. And he, he, he persevered, he prevailed. Israel was led into the wilderness. Jesus was led into the wilderness. Israel wandered for 40 years and was hungry. Jesus fasted for 40 days and was hungry. Israel was tested to show what was in their heart, and they failed that test. In fact, they turned around and tested God on the flip. Jesus was tested to reveal what was in his heart, and he passed the test. And the difference between the two was simple trust that Jesus had of the Father and obedience Trust and obedience. Simple. Here's the crux of the matter. We live on this side of the cross, this side of history, where God has provided a perfect priest who made a perfect preparation and made a perfect presentation for our sins and was tested and became the true Israelite who succeeded where Israel failed. Just as in the desert, God has given us a provision that satisfies all that we need for life in his son, Jesus. And Jesus is not only the provision for our sins, like, Jesus, like Jason talked about last week. He is also the pattern that we must walk in 
this side of the cross. We have this great privilege. That's why in Hebrews it says, so as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Today the Holy Spirit is speaking to all of us. Jesus is within us, speaking to us. This is why Jesus calls himself the way in John 14, 6. He is our pattern for how we live life as Christians. We are to follow on the way of Jesus and in the way of Jesus, copying him in his perfect trust of the Father. Are we going to get that right every time? Absolutely not. But there is provision in Christ for our failures, for our our unbelief, and there is power in following his example when when, when temptations arise. There is no test or judgment coming to those people that have trusted Jesus' sacrifice for their salvation and are now waiting on him. Jesus has already passed the righteousness test, got 100%, and then then ushered us in to receive that same score that he got. He is the perfect priest who made the perfect preparation and the perfect presentation to the Father, dying for our sins and rising again. So the pressure to ace some some kind of spiritual test is off of us. There's no condemnation for us who are in Christ Jesus. And now God is asking us to take a step back and learn the lesson of trusting in him in relationship. And Jesus provides us with the pattern we must follow through this temptation in the wilderness. So what was Jesus' pattern? And this is actually very simple, but perhaps difficult to live out as we consider how to to apply it. First, Jesus' pattern is we see underneath everything that Jesus did and said that he loved God the Father with all of his heart, with all of his soul, and all of his strength. And he loved his neighbor as himself, proving that by forgiving his enemies who crucified him on the cross. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He went to the extreme in love. Every person that comes to Jesus, he will not turn away. But Jesus has perfect love, perfect compassion, which is like love in action for every person. And when when he was faced with these temptations, they, they were real temptations. Jesus felt drawn to these temptations Throughout his life, he never succumbed to them, but he, he was drawn to them. But his love for God trumped those temptations. He just loved God with all of his heart, with all of his soul, with all of his strength. I went into the, um, a resource I have that looks at the original language. To love God with all of your heart, your inner person, your mind, your will, your soul, your understanding, the center of all of your physical and spiritual life. For Jesus, that flowed from his love from the Father. With all your soul, these are your, your emotions and your passions in life, the things that get you excited. The, thing, the part of you that breathes in and breathes out. Your being, your feelings, your desires, your affections. That's the soul. Jesus loved the Father with all of his soul. And with all of your strength, that's just force, abundance, Um, and and, and forcefulness. Jesus loved the Lord his God with all of his heart, with all of his soul, with all of his strength. And he loved his neighbor as himself. Even 
his enemy. Jesus loved. So when faced with, with, with difficulty in our journey, or faced with difficult people or difficult situations, you know, the pattern, part of the pattern of following Jesus is just recognizing he was someone that loved the Lord his God, his Father, with all of his heart, his soul, his strength, and loved his neighbor as himself. And Jesus himself in Mark 12 said, these were the, these were the greatest commandments, and everything else that was written in the Old Testament hangs on those things. Just do these things, he said. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. In preparing for, for this sermon, I was reminded of this, this practice. Considering how we are loving the people around us. You know? How am I loving my wife, my kids, my brothers and sisters at church? I think this, this love for God is so connected to our human relationships, or lack thereof. That's why it says, you know, when, when you have a, a problem with a brother or sister in Christ, don't bother coming to worship until you've worked it out with them, because that vertical relationship with God is affected by these horizontal relationships with other people. And so I, I really feel like this discipline of just saying, you know, what, what can I do to love this person? It's a way to love God. Um, how, how do I forgive my enemy and bless my enemy? Um, this is part of the pattern of Jesus. He loved the Lord his God with all of his heart, his soul, his strength. He arose early. It was his custom to arise early and spend time with the Father. I would have loved to be a fly on the wall for that time. I don't think it was like a whirlwind or like a physical... You know, he just saw God sitting next to him or, or heard God, perhaps in an audible voice. It's probably just like what we have with God if we will open ourselves to it. Time in silence. Time meditating on what God has said and asking God for guidance for what, how are we supposed to spend our time. Jesus loved God. He calls us to the same thing. That's part of the pattern. The second part of this pattern is Jesus, the Son of God, quoted Scripture in his times of temptation in order to overcome lies. So let me ask you this question. If Jesus had to quote Scripture at those times, how much more us? You know, the Son of God could just speak and it was Scripture. <laughs> I mean, he was Jesus. Everything he said was in red letters automatically. I mean, but he went to Deuteronomy. I like how he had fortitude to kind of throw that in the devil's face a little bit. Because it's like, hey, remember the, the time that they wandered and they had this problem? Well, I'm aware of that, and I'm not going to be doing that, actually. Um, and he threw those two chapters right in the face of the tempter. And he provided a pattern for us who come after him, that we should, not only are we to love God with all of our heart, with our soul, our mind, our strength, love our neighbor as ourselves, a simple but very difficult thing, but we are to know the scriptures and use the scriptures daily in our walk with God, and that's part of knowing and loving him. It's a special book. The Bible is, like Jesus, fully God and fully man. It was written by unique writers. 
who have their different perspectives and different, different styles, but it's, it's internally consistent and it has power in it. It actually has power in it. And it's in knowing and praying and taking in the word of God is powerful. And Jesus did it well. I'm so thankful for God's presence. Jesus felt God's presence with him. And I don't know about you, I want to love God the way that Jesus loved God. With all my heart, my soul, my strength. I want to love others, even my enemies, the way Jesus loved others and his enemies. I want to have the words of God from the scriptures on my tongue day in and day out to follow God. So Jesus provided this pattern for us to follow. God emptied himself in Christ and he walked as we walk in the same kind of situations we walk into and did it perfectly, making a way for us to then walk in the way of Jesus. Loving others, standing on his promises and the power of the Holy Spirit. And he proved to us the truth from James where it says, flee the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. That's a great, that's a great verse. Maybe that's a good one to, to memorize. I think it's James 4, 6. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Knowing that no matter where you find yourself this morning, the righteousness of Christ, the perfect presentation that God has made through Jesus, carries you right to the place where you can go into God's presence without any intermediaries, and that nothing can separate you from the love of God. If you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. If you resist the devil, the devil will flee from you. This is the pattern of Jesus. I just wanted to share a little story. When I was um, living on East Avenue, I just was terrible preparing for the winter. And so I'd say, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And then after it snowed, I'd start preparing for the winter outside. Like, and by then, everything's just stuck to the ground. So you're trying to like, rip your stuff off of the ground and it's frozen to the ground because you waited too long. Yesterday, the last couple of years, but yesterday, uh, I was very pleased that we were able to prepare for winter. And we have a lot more junk than we used to because we have kids and stuff everywhere. And we got everything picked up, cleaned up, ready for the winter. And this morning there was this frost. And I said to myself, it's so good that we did that yesterday because this would have been really hard try to rip the stuff off the ground like I used to when I waited too long. And I think that there's something about spirituality in that. You know, you, let, you leave stuff lying around. You know it's not good for your soul. Um, and you're like, ah, we'll, we'll get it before the frost comes. And then there's all this junk on, on the ground that's frozen to the ground. It's hard to pull up. It's not impossible. But you just get stuck. And our love, our love uh, grows cold. One of the things that God said would characterize 
the last days is the love of most will grow cold. The love of most people will grow cold. And the greatest commandment is to love. So um, we're in real danger when we leave our junk lying around because it gets the better of us. It freezes to the ground, holds us back. But Jesus had this awesome pattern where he, he met with the Father daily. And he loved the Father with all of his heart, his soul, his mind, his strength. He, he kept not only short accounts, he kept no accounts with other people. He forgave people freely. Freely forgave people. He's freely forgiven me, freely forgiven all of you who look to Christ. He didn't let the lies of the enemy uh, get stuck in his psyche and just for months just pull him down. He, he stood on the truth of the word of God. And eventually the devil fleed from him. This is a great pattern. This is a great practical help to us who have received salvation through Jesus. Uh, that we have this opportunity. Anytime there's junk lying around and we feel the chill in the air, we have this opportunity to confess our sins, our shortcomings, and God forgives us. And just move on. To, to make our relationships right with other people and move on. And just be at peace. Uh, following God. And this is the pattern I think God is calling all of us to.